Today on Cinematics, what possesses a person to do something as crazy as filmmaking? Hello everybody, welcome back to Cinematics. Today we're going to be doing something a little bit different than we usually do. Um, we spend a lot of our time on this podcast talking about movies and how they're made and how we thought they should have been made and what's maybe good about them or not good about them. And it occurred to us the other day that perhaps um, in order to you know val validate or not necessarily validate, this may be the wrong word, but essentially I, th I feel like... Give you an insider's look. An insider's look at at the industry, at least the industry as it is in Calgary, um, and how it, how we are a part of it and what we've done and in our careers and where we're at and experienced. And hopefully that gives some people some insight into uh, our industry and also where we're coming from when we talk about these movies and, and what you know, that kind of means for us. And, and also what you can, uh, what you can expect working in this industry in certain roadblocks and, you know, whatever else you might hit along the way. Yeah. We'll kind of touch on all of those things yeah. a little bit, I think here. Uh, so let's jump right into it with, uh, so Paul, Paulie, what's up? Why don't you tell me how you got into film and how long you've been working in film? Well, Ryan, it all started in September of 1991. <laughs> 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 um, I don't know. I was, uh, I watched, I watched a lot of movies as a kid. I was, uh, never, I didn't, <laughs> I never really like went outside and interacted. Like movies were like my thing. Okay, not, not to I say see. I never did obviously, but, um, yeah, it was just one of those things I, I was just drawn to as a kid. I, I was always watching movies and playing video games and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and, um, some of the notable movies that kind of, well, I, so I, I was inspired by all these movies and then I always, I always was drawn towards the costumes and the props and sort of the city sets and, and stuff like that. So I remember one of the, one of the first props and it's not even necessarily how I got into film, but it was the start of it. And it was, uh, uh, I think the one of the first props I ever made was <laughs> I was like seven years old and I had this uh, I just had a backpack and like this shotgun like nice. toy and uh, I attached a rope to it and I stuck the gun inside the backpack and that was my first attempt at a proton pack from <laughs> Ghostbusters. <laughs> nice. Yeah, pretty nice. basic. And uh, I think the next one after that is I took that same shotgun toy. I busted the blade off of a sword that I had. And then I made Squall's Gunblade from Final Fantasy VIII. Nice, it's pretty shitty, like so, little so thing. But essentially, you just at, from a young age started constructing props from movies. Yeah. And and what? So it just led you to the the idea that you needed to to be I, in film. Yeah, and I I didn't know exactly like uh, what because I've always wanted to move into like directing and even acting and stuff, but um. I really didn't discover that I wanted to do props and stuff until I was in film school. Okay. That was kind of my thing. I was like, Oh, production design. I should look into that. And that's even before film school, I was building props and stuff. So. Right. And, and we, we went, we started at the, at SAIT's film and video production program in the same year, which would have been 20, 
Um, 17. Se- 17? Six, 16. 2016, yeah. yeah. 2016 um, is when we both started that program together. Um, before that, did were you doing anything? Um, I made like a few short films and stuff like nothing nothing major like nothing within the industry just stuff on my own really cool yeah just with like friends and family and stuff like that so nice all right well i guess for my end to answer the question i have uh, proposed to you is a little bit the same and a little bit different um i grew up i say grew up but i moved away when i was five but i until i was five or six i lived on an acreage um near Edmonton and I didn't really like I had one friend and there was nobody around so when I was at home which was most of the time I had to kind of keep myself entertained and I had books I had movies I had uh, an original Ness and I had running around outside pretending to do stupid shit (laughs) you know how kids are (laughs) (laughs) and um and it kind of I think inspired early in me this uh desire to be creative and do creative things because I would I found myself writing stories in these little notebooks and and creating stories um and and even even later when I had moved uh we had we had some lifelong family friends that I always uh spent time with and we would do the same thing you know kids do you go out and you play pretend games or whatever and yeah. it always ended up being sort of I was told this after and I never really picked up on this but my friend said she always thought that it made perfect sense that I got into film as as wanting to direct because I always seem to be directing these movies that we were making as a yeah. kid when we did this, <laughs> yeah. um, which I, cause I, I never really picked up on that, but I appreciated her input on mm. that. Um, and in high school, middle school, all of that, I sort of, again, was kind of the loner kid. I had a couple of uh, good friends, but, um, at nobody in my small town that I moved to, um, really, did a lot of the sort of creative stuff or if they did like writing and things like that, if they did that, they didn't share it, you know? Yeah. So there was not a lot of community for me to connect to. Um, so in a weird way, I never really considered it until I went to university. I started taking a degree in English, uh, at the U of C and volunteered at this place called new university television and UTV at the U of C which basically is a volunteer organization that students can sort of learn filmmaking through the the vein of of creative and ENG like news storytelling. Oh, okay. Um so I learned editing and camera work and stuff there and realized that I really really enjoyed the versatile medium that film is and so I finished my English degree to like to get the background to learn the um learn the the classics and get that sort of you know literary literary background perfect my writing a little bit and then went into film tried to make a bunch of my own short films after i graduated in 2015 didn't really get anywhere with any of them realized that i really just kind of needed to know people and i didn't know anybody yeah um so then i went to state did my two years at state and started working and have been working. It was working during my time at state as well. So that's kind of how I get into it. And I guess the short answer for how long has been, um, I've been doing this sort of thing for about seven or eight years now. Okay. Um, at a professional and amateur level as, as we all, as we we all do. Yeah. And, uh, just to build on, on that, I actually have another question for you in a minute too, but, um, 
one of the things that I also did a lot of when I was younger was drawing. Like I always, I was always drawing. Like in my school, I was known as the kid who drew a lot. And nice. In and that's one of the reasons I did so shitty in school is just because I was always, <laughs> I was always drawing. Well, I didn't do super shitty, but like. Uh, I was always Your focus drawing. was elsewhere. Yeah, and I like this is one of the questions that I want to ask you because I took a lot of well, not a lot of the <laughs> film program that I took in high school is kind of a joke, but yeah, fair enough. Um, did you take any uh, sort of? And I also edited for a while while I was in film school, right, or not yeah. in film school, in, in uh, high, high school. school and stuff, um, and in junior high as well. But um, did you take any film? classes any no. not even drama or anything like no, that. no i mean I, I i came from a small again after i moved away from the acreage i i moved to, we moved to high river which is a pretty small town it's bigger yeah. than it was when i moved there but it was still pretty small and our yeah. high school uh only had so much money and so they they put the funding for um extracurricular style or not extracurricular but like option courses in in places that they thought people were interesting interested in so they had construction so i took all of the construction and design courses i learned some of the stuff about like designing 3d modeling and things like that in high school and i took some i took a lot of band i played a lot of music when i was in high school middle school elementary school um but our schools didn't offer any any film programs at, at all i mean there was a drama program that was the closest thing and i'm not an actor so yeah yeah fair enough i uh, was not going to get up on stage to do that yeah so no, I did not. I had, um, just a uh, just a quick side note, just sort of a funny story from my film experience in high school was uh, we were I was supposed to write this thing. It, I, I was gonna make it into a zombie story because when I was in high school, that's when like the zombie stuff was really at its oh, peak, yeah. right? So everybody yeah. was into zombies and shit. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna write this thing. It's it's gonna be about zombies, blah blah blah, and everybody in my class thought it would have been a bright idea to have everybody involved in the writing process. Oh boy. <laughs> so my, Oh boy. My, my, my decent idea for, for a high school film project about zombies and shit turned into an idea about, uh, a crazy girl living in the woods <laughs> and then eventually Wait, what? Yeah. Trust me. How, how do you get there from zombies? Um, cause there were people that were squeamish in the oh, class who didn't like the idea of zombies. So you kind of had see. to work with them a little bit too, which kind of sucked, but, uh, which happens in film anyway. Oh, totally. Yeah. I guess that was one of my first lessons, but, um, yeah. Even, then, even as a solo writer, you don't get to write exactly what you want. You have to yeah. write what you're told to write a lot of times. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, eventually I just started I started not taking it as seriously. <laughs> I made them like a bunch of martial arts students and shit. <laughs> I was just like, whatever, man. Nice. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. So just a funny little side story about that. And then I that was the highest class that was the highest score I got in any of my classes. And I oh, just really? I just handed in shit that I edited like months before, just at home and stuff. And I, nice. I ended up getting like ninety seven percent in that class and I hardly <laughs> did anything. <laughs> oh, high school uh, i mean high school is like that in a lot of ways but yeah. hey it tells you maybe that that's what you were meant to do maybe man maybe maybe I'm definitely not meant to be a mathematician that's for sure <laughs> no no <laughs> me neither um sweet what's next all right so um what aspect of filmmaking do you work in and what was the first thing you worked on uh i work in a lot of different areas as far as professional large productions go like when union shows come to calgary i i tend to work in the 
grip department, which is one of the lesser known uh, sort of, I guess, jobs as far as yeah. what filmmaking is, because mm-hmm. th- we we end up being ca- sort of a jack of all trades in a lot of ways. We we rig um, frames to put up green screens or or black uh, black fabrics on. We rig up um, like s- crazy systems on cars to hold cameras. We do dollies. We do um, if something needs to be rigged up in a house somewhere, say we need to like figure out how to put some lights up, often grips will be the ones to rig something up to support those lights. Um, and then I also work in lighting as well. So I uh, setting up the lights and shaping those and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's kind of what I do on, on a, like a big professional, you know, movie set, like something from Hollywood or whatever comes to Calgary sort of thing. Um, outside of that, I do, uh, videography for uh, some other stuff. I'll camera operate for um, different things. On indie stuff, I've done script supervisor work. I've done a lot of, uh, I do a lot of editing for indies, uh, picture editing. I don't really do sound editing. I do some coloring. I do some VFX, but like super, 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 super minimal. It's just kind of like, oh, we need this thing done. I'm like, all right, sure, I guess I'll figure that out. <laughs> you know how YouTube indies it. are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I do a lot of writing for film, for my own film. Yeah. Uh, I don't write for other people yet, unfortunately. But uh, that's so. In a nutshell, I've kind of worked. I have at some point done something in every department. Um, but I think that that's just important um for people to learn how each department works because then oh, yeah. you're more um adds versatility to your direction well, exactly yeah. you're you're more versatile you're you work with those people better because you know what their job is and what you know when you're going to ask them to do something you can kind of tell yeah. when you need to just not ask them to yeah, do something for sure yeah um you know and and I've worked as an assistant director um not not a first generally but uh, just that as well has kind of taught me a lot about how to kind of keep the departments meshing together. And it, it, cause that, that assistant directing is interesting because you're basically just the guys who are trying to make everybody happy all the time. And <laughs> yeah, so you have to basically your job is to make other people's jobs easier. Um, and when you don't do that, people don't like it. Yeah. So, keep, yeah. keep the machine well oiled. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so my my major experience is in writing, grip and lighting, directing, um, editing, camera work. Yeah, yeah. What about stuff. you? What about you? Um, well, I I run my own business for uh, props and sort of production design stuff, just kind of building up capital. Um, I invested quite a bit of money into it last year just for some of the essentials, like the truck and everything. Oh, yes. Which is also going to be part of a movie when I get around to it. Nice. Um, and then uh, on top of that, I also consider myself a writer. I think writing is like the primary thing I'm like focusing on right now. Mm-hmm. And I also consider myself to be somewhat of an actor just because I have like a little bit of experience and um, I don't know, just it's one of those things I've always just kind of liked doing. I like putting myself in character shoes and, and stuff of that nature. Um, but yeah, like production design is the thing that I want to move into to get myself to a point where I can start directing. Nice. And uh, I just, I like the, I like the, um, the challenge of trying to create a world or create something. Cause I talk about like mechanical stuff all the time on, on this podcast. And, you sure do. Um, 
it's it's just one of those like every every like production designer slash director kind of has that specific sort of um nuance i guess and that's one of mine is just i like i really like that mechanical sort of sort of look to things Mm -hmm. so yeah and that translates to a lot of my writing as well and just um yeah so production design is sort of the thing i i want to use to um propel me forward nice in in terms of where i'm going in the film industry so the question that that i didn't answer that i'm going to ask you again is what was the first thing you worked on the first notable thing i worked on was uh short film i made in junior high that was just a ripoff of jackass and my, oh, okay, my, nice. my friends and i just like one of the things that we did was um i was at my friend's farm and i almost broke my back oh shit what <laughs> yeah i was i was standing on top of a barrel and my friend kicked it over and my back landed right on the corner of it like a hay bale or, or sorry a barrel it was yeah it was like a one of those plastic barrels oh, used yeah. for like horse racing or yeah. whatever, where they like weave in between them and shit like that. Your back. Oh God, that would have been, that would have really sucked. <laughs> it wasn't fun, No, but it was fun. Like, you know, yeah. that, that was, that was probably the first like notable thing I did. Um, and then after that was just like, I haven't made too much, but I have a lot of ideas and a lot of things that I want to try to do in the future. And then after that was, uh, this like short, horror like horror comedy i guess but we played it so hard for the horror that the that the comedy kind of came out it was like so over the top in the horror that it was just funny to us sort of sam raimi a little bit you might say a little bit it was kind of like a found footage thing so it was kind of like making us making fun of uh found footage stuff and whatever else and uh and you um i mean i guess the first the first first thing i ever did was at nutv um, I did camera work and editing for some news stories. Eventually I wrote, uh, I was on the writing team for a season of a, a superhero comedy show that the, they were making. And then the second season, I was the director for the season. Um, I directed another series that was like, a interviewing success stories. That was actually where I met, I, um, Benjamin Ross Hayden, a Ooh. sort of local Calgary filmmaker who's made a few movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I interviewed him for that show um, for one of the episodes. And then uh, I got asked to direct a short film for a sec. I think my most notable like first thing that I'm actually so fairly proud of is I was asked to direct a short film for this uh event i guess you call it these guys were making a a feature length film called what you got calgary and the idea was they wanted to bring in various filmmakers from around the city to create like 18 or 20 short films that would be conglomerated into like a a feature length thing that would be screened um so i was asked to direct a three minute segment of that and and i had no i don't know how that happened like i didn't know the person nobody i knew knew the person um Somehow he got my name through the internet or something where he he figured I was like a young filmmaker who was kind of up and coming a little bit and thought it would be a good opportunity for me. I don't know. And that I could help him. It's really weird. I don't know how it happened. Um, But I ended up directing a three minute short film that I co-wrote with a couple other people um, that was supposed to be a, a commentary on the film industry and how it can be a real struggle sometimes. So we like shot this sort of war movie 
with two oh, characters okay. for about two and a half minutes of it. It was like these guys talking and they were like in the field kind of thing and they had like full kit gear and whatever. Oh, okay. And then there's this se- sequence where they're walking through Nose Hill Park <laughs> and then at the end they set up this like Super 8 film camera on a tripod and like settle down like they're getting ready to snipe or something and there's like <laughs> the city in the background. It was, Sweet. It was beautifully, beautifully <laughs> shot. Um, This guy named Louis Villeneuve. Villanueva? Oh God, I'm butchering his last name. I'm sorry, Louis. Um, but he he filmed it. He's he's more of a photographer now than he is anything else. But uh, he's uh, he yeah he made it look really good. Um, so that was that. And then uh, I just like did a bunch of little shorts after that. But like the first and then the first notable like thing that I got paid to do would have been union wise would have been Tin Star, which is a show that works here. I also worked on Lost in Space. Which was pretty sweet. That, yeah, I that, can that was a lot of fun. Even though I was just locations PA, that was like that was super fun. Even just getting yeah. to see all the all the props and oh all man, that stuff, the know? the chariots are actually cars that they've built, and they have Corvette V8 Corvette engines that they run them on, and they're like full size things, and they're yeah. like doing burnouts with them, and they built <laughs> this like, th- yeah, it was it was cool. I yeah, can't talk too awesome. much about it because the season hasn't come out, but um, anyway, it was it was cool shit. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sweet man. Um, yeah, so I think we've kind of already covered this question, but I, you know, we talked about what you do work in, but where do you want to work? What, what, like, what part of the the industry is your end goal? Where do you want to? Where do you see yourself being for the rest of your life? Kind of deal. I I hope on a tropical island. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> a tropical island <laughs> with with a, with a with a you know not a not a too crazy extravagant house but you know something nice something i can just i'll take it yeah that sounds good <laughs> that's that where i see good. myself in the next <laughs> um but yeah like uh i don't know i i guess like a uh what was that that was my phone i'm sorry yeah i don't know like i i'd like to see myself in a in a few different areas not even necessarily pertaining to film, but just certain things that I want to try to pursue over time. Right. It's, it's hard to say, especially with this, this industry where you could end up. Oh, in the next 10, 15 years. Yeah. So, I mean, things change, people bounce around all over the place. And I mean, your, your goals change, your aspirations change, you know, it's, it's one of those things where if you keep doing it enough, just like, like in film school, I was like, Hey, production design, I, th- I think this is for me. And then who knows, maybe somewhere down the line, just, you know, cause one thing I also like doing is uh sound design too. Like oh, I, interesting. that's okay. one of the reasons I like poster like, or production. Um, probably post post. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, just the actual sound design of like how something, how something sounds or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, stuff of that nature. So I also like that because that's one of the things I really think is important in a movie is, um, just the, w- just the way things sound like, like we were talking about in the, uh, Akira, uh, podcast, yeah. like, making things sound like they have weight and they have function and, you know, well, and, and, it, and it's so much more detailed than I think people generally think about too. Cause I, I, I've seen some really good sound designers and really good, uh, uh, people work on, on these projects and, and you see the detail, like there's. I mean, Pro Tools has like 192 tracks available for a reason. First of all, I mean, there's there's the the air tone that gets run through the whole thing. 
and there's the the background sounds for like birds that might be happening and there's like i was talking one of our instructors at site was talking about how he in one of the projects he worked on created a story where these guys were playing basketball in the background and he was like adding these like basketball game sounds and like voices and people talking and telling each yeah. other things and like created this whole narrative over the course of this thing in this soundscape and then they brought it down super low and you barely heard it but like the detail that's there fleshes out the world so that if you're if you're listening to it and you hear it you know and i mean with with film too like you could listen you could listen to a movie and know know what's happening if the sound design is good mm-hmm. and also the script too like the script also has to be good but when it comes to sound design it's uh, for me it's one of the most important things even when it comes to production design because when you're thinking about something as much as it looks like something you also want to think about what it sounds like as well mm-hmm. you know for sure and and I, I like to think of it in the way that um every aspect of your film should be self-contained and and i guess what i mean by that is is you should be able to turn off the tv listen to the sound and and understand the story you should be able to turn off your speakers and just watch in silence and understand what's going on you should be able to you know, like each each of those pieces should tell a co- cohesive, coherent story without yeah. the others. And that kind of comes back to even Akira again about um, how. Ah, uh, damn it! I forgot what I was gonna <laughs> say. Shit. <laughs> uh, I'll come back to it. We'll, it'll, we'll, we'll come. It, it'll it'll come back to me. Uh, in the meantime, what movies would you say most influenced or inspired you? When you were sort of younger and coming uh, we, into things, a wee lad, a wee, a wee lad, a wee lad. Um, the the three that I can think of off the top of my head when I was younger, let's say let's say three to I don't know five. All right, sure. Why not? Or or just, three just, to, three to seven, we'll say. Let, 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 or yeah, just say how Child, many childhood, you feel childhood days. are relevant to you. Um, Tim Burton's Batman. Um. That was one of the things, because I, I always wonder, I'm like, how do they make that suit, man? Like, that suit is awesome. Oh, yeah. And then um, also the Batmobile. Like, you can't forget the Batmobile, the Batwing, totally, all yeah. that Joker's makeup, all that kind of stuff. The Batcave. Um, the other one was uh, definitely Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters oh, yeah. was a big one yeah. for me, and it still is. Like, Ghostbusters is just one of those movies I could watch all the time and find some little thing. Yeah. Like, I would say Ghostbusters is probably one of my most researched movies of all time. Interesting. Yeah. All right. And uh, I would also say the first and second Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good. Yeah. Those are good. And I want to say, I want to say Jurassic Park, but in a way, yeah. But it, it, I watched it a lot as a kid. Yeah. I don't know. There, And I mean, even games and stuff like Resident Evil 2, like, um, uh, what else? Metal Gear. Totally. Halo, yeah. Yeah. Like Games can like be that. really cinematic. Yeah. So especially in like during the PS1 N64 era when things started to turn a little bit more cinematic in terms of gaming as well. Mm-hmm. Those yep. big those big turns, uh Final Fantasy seven and eight were another big one for me. The the introduction of proper cutscenes that were, you yeah. know, uh, essentially shot like like a film, you mm-hmm. know. I mean Metal Gear 
you know, what, which one is it? Five is essentially like three hours of cutscenes. Oh yeah, so I, here. I haven't even finished five just for just for the reason that it's all cutscenes. Like all cutscenes. I like cutscenes, but cutscenes have to be rewarding when they're just there yeah. for the sake of looking more and or feeling more like a movie. It's like, well, why didn't you just make a Metal Gear fucking you movie? Probably should have just made a Metal Gear movie. Yeah, that's what they should have done. Yeah, I heard it's in the works, but huh, it, I hope that's so. been said for many many moons. Mm-hmm. So. And oh, and uh, RoboCop. RoboCop's oh, yeah, another of big course, one yeah. for me. Yeah. So no, that that's that makes sense. Um, and yourself, myself. Oh boy, let's see. I I have a. It's funny. I have a really hard time with this question because as a as a kid, I didn't watch a lot of movies, or I don't remember a lot of the movies I watched. And even you know, getting older and and growing up and stuff, like I had classic. Like I watched Star Wars. Who knows how many times I yeah. watched Lord of the Rings over and over again. Um, so those two were huge influences on me for sure. Um, but those, like, like I don't have, like, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who have these great answers to this question. You know, they're like, oh yeah, I, I think about this all the time. And like this one movie is like the pivotal point where I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. like you know, I thought about that too. Yeah. You know, and that, that, that's a great answer. And I just never seem to have an answer like that because I've, I've just I've watched a lot of movies and There's a so lot of movies have have affected me in various ways. Like uh, I watched this film called Pandorum, um, which I wouldn't say is like an A tier movie by any standard. It's got it's, an interesting an interesting but, go, thing well, going for yeah, it. Yeah, it's a really cool story. It's really creepy. I loved the production design. Um, it wasn't necessarily the best written movie ever, but overall, like that was one of the ones that I was like, yeah, I love psychological thrillers you know like that was what really drove me towards knowing that i that's what i like to write is psychological thrillers and like sci-fi proper sci-fi stuff and same with star wars you know and and just i mean 2001 uh i loved that movie and i i never really realized until i watched that movie oops uh that uh i watched that movie that i i liked slow films you know like there's not they're not as commonplace to see a lot of of slow paced movies Mm -hmm. um especially nowadays because they're saying that people's attention span uh deteriorates a lot quicker oh it it certainly does and um i i I, i'm not going to go into like a psychology thing and i can't say it's 100 percent true but there's the idea that there is the idea instant gratification and things like that create in uh, a shorter attention span amongst people these days yeah um and and you can see it in in the way that modern movies are cut. I mean, look at the creation of the Bourne series that invented the idea of shaky cam, fast cut fight scenes that you can't tell what's going on and it's super quick and everyone gets all amped up because of that. But yeah. then you know, on the other hand, there's uh, John Wick where the fight scenes and and Daredevil, you can, you the Netflix Daredevil oh, too. Man, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. but I think for me, like an iconic shot from from John Wick, say for example. Um, I just always remember because the camera was super, super low and it was on some sort of dolly, I think, in this hall. And it's just pulling back, like creeping so slow. And it's just Keanu Reeves and one of the guys attacking him in his house near the beginning of the movie. And they're just like going at it in this hallway. And they're, they're moving in the background and they come into the foreground and they come down the hall. And the whole time the camera's just sitting there slowly pulling back from this low angle and it's really oh man it, it was just oh, it yeah, was a yeah, beautiful yeah. shot and and it really reminded me again about how little how how powerful not cutting can be you know why why cut when you don't have to and there's also a bad example of cutting is uh i think it was taken 3 
when he jumps over the fence. <laughs> There's like five cuts as he's jumping over oh, the God, fence. Oh, God, I haven't seen Taken 3. but I it, just watched that clip. That but. reminds me of, you know, like, say, Triple X, for example. I don't know if you ever watched that yeah, movie, but, like, Vin I've Diesel's jumping a fence on the motorbike, and it's like, this <laughs> angle, that angle, that angle, that angle, and every time it cuts, he's a little bit back, and he goes, and then he goes a little bit back, and then he goes, and it's like, how how much can we, like, slow down this one shot? Which, I mean, it was kind of like an epic moment a little bit, but also it was... You sort also, of underwhelming for how much they played it up. You could also just use slow mo. Oh yeah, you know? right? Like I don't, I don't <laughs> Why know. Why not just do that? <laughs> well, I don't know. But they they did. There was slow mo. It was oh, slowed it was down slow, as it well. Slow mo and yeah, too many so, cuts. Yeah, okay, so absolutely. you know moments like that. But anyway, so essentially, <laughs> I guess like I never have a great answer for this question, but I'm I'm always uh, kind of inspired by these movies with giant worlds and and like stuff that a lot of work was put in you can tell was put mm-hmm. into building a world and creating um this thing that the characters exist within before they even come to trying to tell the story like star wars or mm. or lord of the rings or things like that so i guess that's the short answer is there's way too many and that's what they are <laughs> yeah that is that is definitely true so uh what movies like what newer movies have you seen or even even ones that you didn't know about um that keep you kind of going in this crazy world of filmmaking and keep you motivated you know what um i think if i had to name one i would say mad max fury road oh yeah Um, and Mm -hmm. i say that because i've done digging into the story of production on that movie um and like it was it took them a hundred and I want to say 138 days or something like that to to find to get everything for that movie between you know most of it being shot in Africa and then mm-hmm. they had to go back later and reshoot stuff so there was more days added on there but just the the physicality and I know there's a lot of special effects added on top and there's sure. you know green screens and all that it was notorious for for people having props that looked cool but were augmented a lot by post uh, yeah. visual effects but just the again the construction of the world the building of these characters the 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 cool 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 tech the the sound design like everything yeah that was one of those movies that uh, like reminded me that a pop culture movie can still be artistic you know like like there there's so many movies that come out these days like look at the DC universe say just to target one particular thing where you know, people go after this pop culture market of superheroes or they go after a market of this or that and and they end up just pumping out garbage as fast as they can that so that people will pay for it. And, you know, the, the people making the movie don't think so, obviously, but that's the producer's mindset. And so when the director comes in and, and is... Well, they, they probably they, all think they're hot shit down there anyways, right? Well, in a lot of ways, uh, I think they do, yeah. Or maybe that's just my perception <laughs> of it. But... but, but there's just so much out there like that and it keeps getting worse i find like you know it, it's just it's we live in an age of remakes everything is you know remade off something else or a part of another thing that exists and i am all for gigantic universes that have lots of different stories in them i think that's super cool oh, but yeah. i also think that like telling an, a unique independent story an original story is fascinating and people just there there's not that many of them out there or if there are they're hard to hard to see because the theaters are yeah. occupied with the next Marvel DC movie or the next this or the next that. So yeah, I think Mad Max Fury Road as much as I'm now I'm contradicting myself because that's a sequel to like the whole original trilogy slash a remake. It, but. It, it's a sequel slash remake, but I mean, 
Mad Max, Mad Max always kind of had standalone stories anyways. Totally. Yeah. You know, so like they were always about Max going out into the unknown and finding people to help. And mm-hmm. that was, that was his thing. Like that's what he did. So it, it was just another, it was another sequel and it was, and it was an original way of telling it because even though Mad Max 2 looked a lot like Fury Road, Fury Road had its own unique style, like the way like and just the way they did the 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 vehicles and stuff in that in that movie like the giga horse the thing that uh, immortan joe rode around that yep. cadillac like that thing had two v8 engines in it yep like yep and there was oh. actually to that point too i read somewhere there was a uh, a vehicle they used it was the the vehicle that the bullet farmer drove oh um, that tank that tank that thing that charger tank yeah that is an actual mm-hmm. um prototype that was, I think, designed for the American military as like an amphibious vehicle. Only two of them exist. The prototype that the military built and the one that was built for that movie. And that thing could move too. Like that thing like did all the things that it did on screen in yeah, camera. Like yeah. that thing was insane. So, I mean, to that end, just the, yeah, no, that movie is amazing. Yeah. And I, you could talk forever about the sound design in that movie and the, oh, oh man, it man. just goes on. But anyway, it goes on and on and on. What about you? Um, well, I'd say like one of the, it, it's not even a recent movie necessarily, but it's, it's one that I, I discovered in my early twenties that I didn't see when I was younger, but okay. has a big impact on me now was, uh, Blues Brothers. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, just I don't know, just just the the effects and just the car chases and the the cultural impact that movie had at the time, especially when blues was starting to die out and yeah. people like Ray Charles and um, John Lee Hooker and all the other um, blues talent that was in the movie were kind of like on their down and out. And the Blues Brothers came along and actually brought them back. Revitalized yeah, the James whole thing. Yeah, James Brown. Yeah, like that's cool. Yeah, and I didn't know that. Yeah, and like uh at the end when they're doing the chase through Chicago and mm-hmm. everything and the speeds that you see them going, nothing was sped up. Like they're yeah. actually going like over a hundred miles an hour down Holy those down those crap. Chicago streets. Yeah. That's insane. Just the amount of preparation that they had to do to make sure people knew where they were and people were walking out and walking of off all the street. Oh man, yeah. the number of PAs they would have had to have. Oh man. Locking things Ridiculous. up on that. So yeah, I'd say that's that's and um another big one for me just cuz kind of like ties into what I'm writing but is uh 7. seven oh. Seven's another good one I I really seven. like as uh, seven, Morgan seven. Freeman and Brad Pitt. <sighs> yeah, Kevin yeah, Spacey. that was a great. Yeah. yeah, that was a great movie. Yeah. Oh man. That that's another that's one good. in terms of more of a a writing standpoint and sort of mm-hmm. creating mystery and you know stuff like that like adding little clues and stuff and you know just stuff like that like really um ooh snatch have you ever watched snatch people have been telling me to watch that movie for so long that's like that's probably in my top five favorite movies because it's the concept is simple it's just essentially a sort of like a crime thriller um but it's the the way that they tell the story because there, there's like like four different groups of people that are all completely disconnected and you see each part of their story as they move along and you see moments where these guys will their their storylines will connect for a moment and and they'll interact a little bit and they'll go on their own way and it just it keeps developing and moving into something and and it's funny and it yeah, oh man it's I've just heard. it's so good um yeah, you you yeah, have to watch that's, Snatch. I that's, think you'd like that's it a lot. on that's on my list for sure. It's just a matter of getting around to it. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, all right. So why don't you, I mean, we, we've kind of covered this in a few ways, but why don't you tell me a little bit about what your path through the film industry has looked like so far? So right now, cause I, I, I mean, I was in film school with you for, yeah. for a year and I decided that that wasn't necessarily the path I wanted to take. I kind of wanted to take, um, a path, the road less traveled, we'll say. Okay. And I mean, which, which has its own benefits and its own setbacks and stuff. And, uh, um, just also the direction that I also wanted to take, I wasn't getting a whole lot of opportunity to do a lot of production design sort of stuff. Like near the end of it, I was always looking up production design stuff, like how animatronics were built and like how puppets were built and stuff. And, um, and just just the structure and just the structure of film school wasn't really for me. And I just I just said, you know what, I'm going to take instead of trying to climb the ladder, I'm going to see if I can kind of um, find a different way uh, around build the your own ladder, build my own ladder. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, that, that like I just I wanted to take a different path. And um, and I mean, nothing, you know, nothing's guaranteed in this even, you know, with film school I mean, and everything. And it was just, you know, the film industry is never guaranteed. Nothing is ever guaranteed. Yeah, it's exactly. a life of working, looking for work 24 seven all the time. Yeah. Or create or trying your best to create your own work. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which you and I can both relate to as well. Oh, for sure. I think most filmmakers can relate to that. I think all of them actually. I would, I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about you? Well, yeah, my, my, again, my path is kind of weird because I started out, graduating high school and deciding I wanted to write books. So I went to U of C and I took English and I wrote books. Uh, I have a novel that I've never published and barely even edited. That's kind of garbage now. And I wouldn't probably won't even go back to it in a million and a half short stories I wrote, but it all, it all came down to just deciding that the film medium was better for my uh, creative, I don't know, direction. So I, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time trying to make my own stuff and um, it was it was difficult. I mean, when I graduated from the UFC, I found myself working as a delivery driver and eventually a delivery supervisor for a barbecue store. Um, and I would and during the summer, you know, when that's when in Calgary, that's when people make film during mm-hmm. the summer, I was working nine to 12 hour days. And I mean, there was overtime generally. So at least that was decent. But the pay wasn't amazing because, you know, just a it's retail. Yeah. Well, but this this was driving driving a, a fucking truck. Oh, around. this was driving the yeah. truck. Oh, my so, bad. My so bad. I was just like delivering barbecues for like nine to twelve hours a day, making not very much money, and then coming home and trying to write my own stuff and trying to find time to produce oh, my own stuff. And like, it's tough. My 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 weeks were like I worked pretty much Tuesday to Sunday, and then Mondays I would do my own stuff. And evenings I would do my own stuff and it was just, it was grueling and I didn't get anywhere and I couldn't find the time to meet anybody. And it just, it wore me out. And I was, I was really poor. Um, there were, there was other things with that. There was, there was stuff with the people I was living with and whatever that I ended up like not having a lot of money in that regard as well. Um, and eventually I decided that, uh, you know, I needed to, to kickstart my career. So, you know, we both, started that same program at the same time. Um, you left and I decided to stay and that isn't to necessarily say that film school is the way to go. 
Um, it, I don't, it all I don't, depends on it all depends on uh, how you how you work and you know just the way you learn I guess yeah well. exactly you know if you learn best and I mean at the end of the day with film you're always learning every time you mm. step on set you're learning a new thing or you're trying to you know problem solve out and figure out a new way to do something so you're always learning um, but if you're not a school learning type person I mean like film school helped me mostly in one way. And that was that it gave me contacts. I The first year yeah. of, of the program, I knew all of the information we were getting. And the second year, I knew most of the information we were getting. Yeah. Um, what I got out of it was experience on set, learning how a set is supposed to be run, learning how people behave on set, and getting an opportunity to meet people in the industry and start networking, which at the end of the day was the only thing that allowed me to start getting paid to do this kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then since then, it's just been like everything I can get. I mean, this past year, I from June to November, I didn't have time off. There was no breaks. It was one project to the next project to the next project to the next project. Sometimes there wasn't even a day in between. Um, and a lot of them didn't pay well. A lot of it was really indie. Some of it was union, but... Uh, you know, I was busy and I was, I was in the business and then, you know, it comes to winter and winter's never that busy. So there's a lot of people kind of thumbs up their just asses right now. But <laughs> yeah, just yeah. waiting, waiting for the, the thing. But again, it comes down to always looking for that next job. You know, I've mm -hmm. made some corporate contacts in that aspect to try and find, you know, some work that way. And, and you just gotta just doing what, what you got to do, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, like uh for me like uh leaving film school it's been a it's been a slower start like i've been i've been working in construction f ever since i got out of high school too mm -hmm. and um it's it's a slow process and also trying to build up a a company as specialized as this in a place where not a lot of film stuff happens which is kind of where um where i come from is where i want to try to create my own work as well with um as as little as little um I guess interruption right yeah. as possible and yeah. I was kind of like I'm kind of in the same like well I'm kind of in the same boat as you were when you said that you're working for the trucking company like just doing this and trying to build up the capital to start to get all the equipment that I need and all that and it's just I'll go home or I'll go to work work eight to eight to 12 hours a day sometimes six days a week a lot of the time six days a week and then I'll go home and I'll start, you know, thinking of stuff for, for my movie and I'll start thinking of designs and I'll try or to you come over things. and do this podcast. I come over and do the podcast or, you know, whatever. So like, um, I'm, I'm consistently working all the time on something mm -hmm. and you could say, you know, maybe I'm putting all my eggs in one basket, but you know, um, I, and I was never really a school learner either. I like to make my own mistakes on my own without telling someone telling me that I <laughs> fucked up. And, Fair enough. And uh, yeah, and that's just kind of like in film school was a good experience for me too because um, especially during the first semester because it gave me a lot of con uh, context and contacts on how things were run and certain terms that I didn't know and everything else. And I was like, I was like, all right, so what's going to happen next year? And things, things at say at that time were also a little bit. Yeah. Edgy, I mean, we'll yeah. Say. So, um, yeah. And that's kind of why I just, you know, I just 
cut my losses, I guess, in a well, lot of ways. What 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 roadblocks do you think you've hit? I mean, you again, you've kind of answered this question in a lot of ways, but like, what do you think are the most the hardest roadblocks you've had to fight against and push against since trying to uh, since trying to make a go of this? Um, I think uh, I think a lot of this stuff pertains to a lot of filmmakers, but I think. So I'll start off with with some of the smaller ones. Uh, well, actually, they're all pretty big ones, but mm-hmm. um, time is one of yeah. them. Time's a big one. Uh, money is another mm-hmm. big one. And I don't know, when, when you do stuff like this, especially um, thinking about, you know, all the, all the filmmakers that made their way up and got to where they wanted to be, I, I guess a lot of it too is like, um, even self-doubt in a lot of ways, just being like, man, is my idea good enough or, you know, whatever, like, am I cut out for this? Like it's, it's a tough industry and, um, there's a lot of competition as well. And oh, yeah. it's something that you really have to push yourself and you have to try to make yourself better in a lot of aspects. You like, it's, it's always something that you want to try to improve on in as many ways as you can. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I guess to that end for me, um, I think the biggest thing I've had to overcome is the fact that I am an introvert. Mm. You you would never know it when I go out into a social situation, but I was the most introverted person until my second year of university. Uh, I was dating this girl and things were not really going very well. We've been dating for a long time and it was one of those moments where it was like, I, I know I need to end it, but I can't. Mm but I can't kind of thing. It was, and it took far longer than I should have ever let it go on for. Um, and I started trying to get myself out of my, my little bubble and, you know, get used to talking to people. Mm. Um, and, and again, to talk about, you know, to go back to the industry of guys, we should be talking about, uh, it's, it's network based, you know, the more people you know who like you, Mm -hmm. the more jobs you get in. And the more you do a good job, but also the more you go to the networking events and you chat people up and you're able to sort of hit things off. And I'm not, I've never been very good at that. I'm not much of a conversationalist for the most part. And I find myself getting into a lot of really awkward moments where I don't really know what to say and people kind of <laughs> yeah. just walk away from me. And I'm like, okay, well, I just fuck something up there. Yeah. But, you know, and, and, and so trying to get over that and trying to make myself into the sort of person who's always excited and and energetic and bubbly and talkative and able to just interact with people Mm. all the time has been a really big challenge that I'm starting to overcome. But even still, it's a tough, you know, and, and it's work when you go out to those events, like people like, Oh, you know, you, what are you doing? You're going to have beers. You know, that's not work, but I'm like, well, yeah, you're working, working, you know, you're going, it's like, you're going to a work event where you're a contractor trying to make work for yourself. So yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, for for as many people that are in this industry that are introverted, like myself as well. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's one of those. It's and I mean, you could even say that it's equally as extroverted as well. You know, um, depending on maybe the the aspect or the the portion of filmmaking that you want to get sure, into. Sure. Yeah. You know, if you're in marketing or something like that, you might be a little bit more chatty than someone who's a writer. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's differences, and and people people just have to do what they have to do to get where they want to get, I guess. And I I think that's also being able to, you know, like you said, 
people people just like walk away from you sometimes <laughs> but like well you know when you're at a networking event and there's sure. like 15 or 20 people there and, and you're having a conversation with this one person or this group of people say and like you know you finish the conversation that got brought up and you sort of have this moment where you stand there and you're like yeah <laughs> yeah anyway yeah, and then they're like here. cool well i'm gonna go talk to this person now and then they kind of walk off and you're like well i don't know what to do with myself now yeah and, this is awkward and in those situations, like, uh, I know how I am one-on-one -on -one with people. I'm very, I'm very different. And I've even noticed that, uh, listening to the podcast, I'm very, I'm very, res I'm more reserved, um, in groups. And also just, even if I think that I might have like an audience, I'm like a little bit more reserved and yeah. I know how I am one-on-one -on -one, and that's how I want to try to make myself with groups of people. Yeah. It, it's a constant sort of exercise in, yeah. in developing your abilities and, yeah. But um, sort of what I was going to say about the people that kind of just, you know, kind of wander away after yeah, a while yeah, yeah. is, I don't know, it's it's a it's a way of being able to to read people too. like you might look at someone and go, OK, this person's a writer. So more than likely, they're probably sort of on the quiet, more reserved side. So you might want to try to bring that out in them, too. Yeah, sometimes. You I know? mean, I've definitely met writers who are quite outgoing. Oh, yeah. Um, like it's not but... it's it's not like. It's not a formula. Exactly. But but you so. do meet a lot of them that are like that. And and reading people is something again that like it's a skill you gotta learn. And I'm not bad at it, but I wouldn't say I'm good at it either. So I'd say you know, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. It it's something that I think even even really chatty, uh outgoing people should like anybody should always try to, you know Develop yourself. Develop like yourself yeah. in that way and become more of a people person, I suppose. Yeah. Cause in high school and stuff, man, I was not, I, I always like most of the time I would just hang out by myself and yep. do writing and do that kind of shit. I right? would go to school and then I'd go home and I'd <laughs> hang out at home by myself. Sometimes there was like two friends I had that I saw outside of school. Um, and the, uh, like beyond that, there was people at school who were friends with the people I, of my two friends. So I kind of interacted and yeah. sometimes I got to go to these events um, that people would put on, but like for the most part, I didn't really have, you know, a social life in a lot of aspects. I, yeah. I was very introverted. Yeah. So it's always, it's been a struggle. Man. Introverts. Um, so what, what impact do you think, uh, the industry has had on your life? And th this is an interesting question because a lot of jobs I find are, um, you know, you get up, you go to work, you you go your nine to five job or whatever and you get up and you go home and and even even non nine to five where you maybe work a little bit longer days or whatever but you've got a consistent schedule it, it i think that question is not as relevant as asking it about film so right what do you think um well for one like um i guess it's uh it's given me something to work towards like the, the the thing I've been writing for like 10 years, like it's, it's always, it's always making me like research things. It's making me smarter in a lot of ways. Like it's giving me different outlooks, like, you know, um, compared to how I, how I used to be, it's kind of brought me out of my shell a little bit in a lot of ways. Um, but I mean, everything has, everything's like a yin and yang, right? Mm -hmm. Everything's has, has its good and it's bad side. So, I mean, you know, for as much as this movie kind of propels me forward. And I mean, I've had my, I've had my doubts like anybody else, like, oh man, like, should I keep, should I keep doing this? Like, what, am I wasting my time sort of thing? So, um, for as much good as it's done me, it's also done me like, um, 
a lot like it's it's set me back in a lot of ways like I've dedicated so much time and so much effort into some of the stuff that I've been writing that I've like kind of fallen fallen out of uh out of place in a lot of ways and yeah. you know like it it's consumed my life in a lot of ways and I'm like like I told you like I'm going to take a a break from the writing part of it for a while yeah. just to like get my bearings straight again and focus on some things that I probably should focus on if I want to, if I want to, if I'm serious about actually doing this and for sure, yeah. um, certain, certain things like, um, especially the networking that I have to work on, not to say I don't have people skills, but I got to make them better. And I got to focus on different parts of my life if I'm actually serious about doing this. And that's like the next step. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it, it's interesting you say that because it goes back to the idea of, of roadblocks there. And I think that that's something that can be uh, sort of, difficult to contend with is the idea that it, it does kind of take over your whole life in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and, and self doubt, I think, um, it, it, I find that the film industry is weird in a lot of ways because it, it perpetuates and demands a level of arrogance from people because when you talk to other people in the industry, you need to be confident. You need to come across as someone who knows what you're doing. Yeah. And you, then that you know that you know what you're doing. So when you're on set, there's no like you, – you can't just go around being like, oh, well, how do I do – you know, if you don't know how to do something, ask somebody. Mm-hmm. But but like you, you, you have to portray a certain level of self-confidence. Um, and in one aspect, it can really kind of run rampant with some people where they sort of adopt it as their, you know – entire persona and that's all they are is this extremely self-confident yeah. person to the to the nines and that can cause a ton where, of problems where it also becomes even fake in a lot of ways yeah too. You're exactly like, oh, man this guy's full of shit yeah. yeah but then on the other hand the whole self-doubt thing can be a real problem too because you're constantly trying to prove yourself and appease the people above you Every job that you go on is a job interview for your next job. Mm-hmm. So everything you do has to be to a level of perfection that is um, unheard of in most other businesses. And and at least for me, I don't, I can't speak for anybody else, but at least for me, I'm constantly doubting myself. I'm constantly wondering, you know, did I do a good enough job on this project? Did I make this person's life easy enough that they'd come back? You know, like all of these things, and then. And then it extends into my the, my normal life because now I'm I'm interacting and hanging out with people from the industry, and so now I'm like doubting myself when we're hanging out doing things or that maybe aren't even necessarily related because I'm always just constantly worried about that. And I yeah. don't think I'm the only one who has that problem. But then you have to again turn around and come on to set and act like everything is perfect and happy and lovely all the time, or yeah, or you know people you gotta are, show up with a good attitude. Yeah, exactly. Because nobody wants to work with someone who's in a bad mood or is is bitchy or or whatever, right? Like <laughs> yeah. you want to work with people who are fun to work with. Yeah, for and sure. And so you have to be the person that you would want to work with, as well as uh, everything else. So I feel, like, I, I feel like I could like even relate that to, uh, um like the the symbiote from spider-man like with venom (laughs) you know it like film can be like as it's really a parasite but like you know it's it's kind of a symbiotic and or symbiotic entity where Mm -hmm. um it could make it could make you a stronger person but at the same time it could also really drain you and really kind of like mess up your your oh yeah well and, and, and to that end i mean i guess my answer to the question then is that the the way it's impacted my life is that it's taken over my life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
before I, I decided that film was what I wanted to do and I really started making a go of it, I had like I spent most of my free time making a point of of like hanging out with friends, visiting family, doing, you know, just general normal life things. And I, you know, I'd go to work or I'd go to class and I'd come home and I'd, you know, I'd sort of do my assignments and I'd kind of be like, yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, this is good enough. And like, I made a point of not just focusing on what I was working on, but also, you know, my social life and my, my mental, you know, health, I guess, in a lot of ways Mm. and my, my physical health too. Mm. Um, and then I, and I started making a go of, of film and my life has been nothing but film. I mean, I, I see those same friends not nearly as much as I used to. And that, that comes with being older too. And everybody goes their own ways and has their own lives and things. Mm. But like, I, I have a lot less free time because even when I'm not working, I feel like I should be working. So I'm either working on the podcast or I'm working on my YouTube channel or I'm writing something or I'm trying to like build my website better or I'm like, Mm. you know, yeah, it's very um, there's a lot of, a lot of skills you have to learn in order yeah. to do this. Sort and of and skills I want to learn. And that, that's, mm-hmm. I guess, part of it is like, there's so many things I want to do and I want to learn. And, and it's basically just, it's become the point where my number one priority is, and has been for the last few years is just developing myself as a filmmaker, developing my abilities in film. And it's come at the cost of a lot of other things. Like I've yeah. let my physical and mental health go to the wayside in, in a lot of aspects that I really shouldn't have. Sure. I've let my social health. Yeah. You know, fall, fall apart a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I think balance is really important and especially in this business. And I just haven't figured out, a way to do that it's so. yeah it's really tough like and I'm, I'm kind of on the opposite spectrum where it's it's been like consuming my life for the last 10 years or however long and now i'm like okay i gotta take a step back yeah. and i gotta focus on things that normal people do <laughs> <laughs> normal people what yeah. are normal people I sound like uh, travis bickle from <laughs> from taxi driver oh I think, yeah i think a person should be a real person like other people <laughs> like other, oh god that movie is great oh man um all right, so I, we're get we're over time a little bit here, but I have one last little question for us to sort of talk about, um, which is advice for aspiring filmmakers. And I, and I I place this question cautiously because mm-hmm. neither of us are um, neither of us are you know the big directors or yeah. you know there's a ton yeah. of people in Calgary who have more experience and more this and more that than we do. Um, and and have different perspectives and ideas but sure you know from an aspect of where you are today what advice would you give maybe yourself from 10 years ago or someone who who is where you would have been five years ago or something Mm. what would you say to that person um that's a that's a tough one um um i'd say just like just live your life and don't fucking think so much (laughs) Like don't think so much. Yeah, like thinking, thinking is like my greatest strength, but also my greatest weakness. <laughs> I overthink shit. I overanalyze shit. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta, you gotta, um, just as much as you might want to get into the film industry, or you know, it's the thing that propels you, or whatever. You can use like you can use that as like a you know, something to even live by in a lot of ways, but you, mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta look after yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's a really important piece of advice is you have to take care of yourself first. Yeah. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, what do you have? Well, you fucking nothing yeah, is what yeah, you have. Yeah, if you don't have your health, then you're that, that's, sure that's really shit good. not going to be working in the film industry. <laughs> so I guess that that's kind of my thing in a lot of ways too. Uh, it's like – but you have to – the other side of that coin is you have to really want it. You know, mm. the, the days are long. On an on an average day, you're like a normal day is twelve hours. A, an abnormal day is fourteen to sixteen. A long day is like eighteen to twenty one. Mm-hmm. Um, and those those days happen all the time. You're you're outside. You're in shitty weather. You're you know it's cold. It's hot. It's 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 every kind of extreme you can think of. Um, and if you don't really want to do it, if if that if it's not what like if you can't if you can picture yourself doing anything else you will probably end up doing something else um <laughs> because it will drain you i mean i i've met a lot of people who who worked on set worked union worked big stuff for like 10 years 15 years and they just they cannot anymore handle the pressure and the and the damage it does to you as a mentally and physically mm. and they've gone on to other things or they've found ways to be involved in the industry that is not uh, you know, working on set, like working at uh, like William F. White's or something. Right. Like that. Yeah. Um, so I guess my first piece of advice is you have to really want it. Um, everybody's always replaceable, uh, which is a big thing. So you have to, you have to know that if you step away or if you screw up, like there's somebody else who will do your job for you. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say that you can't get back if you step away. I know people who've stepped away for a year and come back and, and are finding their way again, mm. um, without too much problem. But there's also that level of like, oh, well, if you get out of the industry for too long and people forget who you are, cause you need to know people then, well, now we've got this new guy who does the job just as well as you. So why, mm, yeah. why do we need to bring you back? Right. So that there's a lot of that, but then there's also, uh, what you were saying about you needing to ca- take care of yourself. And at the end of the day, it's just a job. Um, yeah. So even if you're driven and passionate and love it to death and it's the only thing you could imagine yourself doing in life, it's still just a job mm, and you still yeah. need to make sure that you're in good shape uh, because if you are physically or mentally unable or unhealthy, it's going to be difficult for you to do the work anyways, right? Yeah, so. yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, I guess um, one more thing I might I might add just um, – sort of sort of something with me is um with the with the company that i've created as Mm -hmm. well um i don't make it just for film it's also you know you can make other things that you can sell online or you know whatever totally yeah and i guess i guess like it kind of pertains to to film as well as being multifaceted kind of diversity yeah just having different avenues you can take and it's kind of what you've been doing like you worked in many different departments and i and also like with uh with film school it's a good way to find out what you want to do and if you want to do it and avenues you want to take or certain things that you think that you might not have been good at that you actually find out you're good at Mm -hmm. you know it's just try things yeah exactly because at the end of the day i mean especially in canada i don't know where where Mm. our audience is listening from i assume a lot of it is canada Um, but you know, like if you're in Vancouver, if you're in Toronto, you can kind of, you can generally find a lot of consistent work without too much problem, but it's expensive to live there. If you're in Calgary, if you're in Manitoba, wherever, like there's a lot of, um, downtime sometimes, and you have to find other ways to be able to pay rent and you got to be, 
you got to be able to do different things. And, and I'm really coming up against that in a lot of ways this winter and figuring out how I want to make my money and, and develop and change and, and grow that as, you know, the winter pro- moves through and stuff goes away mm. and whatever. So, and, um, one more thing I want to add to is, um, when it, when it also comes to filmmaking is you want to give yourself different experiences as well. Like yeah. you want to be, you want to be able to go out and do something. Even if it doesn't seem film. like it pertains to film. Even yeah. If, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, last, or was it last summer, the summer before I went skydiving, there you go, you know, just do stuff like that to, you know, especially for networking and stuff, you might find someone who's like, Hey, I'm going skydiving or whatever. It's and a you good can talk story. to them, yeah. you know, or, or at the very least, it gives you more experience to draw on when you come to set, you know, mm-hmm. learn yeah. various skills, learn how to tie knots, learn how to do all kinds of things. I mean, if you're a background actor for some reason you learn how to ride a horse say suddenly your special skills extra your pay goes up your desirability goes up like yeah you know all that kind of stuff everything everything works to build you as a person and if you build you as a person you as a worker are better and there's not many businesses and industries where you'd be like oh yeah you know like you know a lot of people just kind of go to work and they do their job pretty all right or pretty well and then Mm -hmm. they go home but like film every part of your life kind of has to be a part of your work and every yeah. part of your work has to be a part of your life. And I don't know. It's, it, it's messed know, up, man. Well, it's what they say. Uh, film, film is life. Is that, is that what they say? Is it? Is it? I, well, that's I, what I they know. like some, some to, to the, that extent anyways, just like when you, I guess when you write something or whatever, like yeah. it's based on stuff, you know, so the more, oh, yeah, the more totally. you know, like film is kind of a simulation of life and it is i mean we're creating stories about people in life yeah even if it's crazy over the top stuff there is something there that still pertains to the human experience i guess you could say the human experience oh man all right well we've gone i think long enough on this episode um we'll be resuming our regularly regularly (laughs) scheduled programming as of next week we'll go back to doing the stuff that we normally do but uh, I this was Polly's idea, but I, I just I feel like it was really good to just sort of sit and talk about this and allow let people kind of hear where we come from and what we do and and get, it, maybe it gives you a better perspective on why we say the things we say about the movies we talk about mm. or uh, even just like you know validates us in being able to talk about movies. I don't know, but yeah. um, either gives way, us, I think gives it gives us a little bit of credibility. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're a person in the industry listening to this and, you know, uh, versus a person who wants to be in the industry versus whatever, like there, there's different things that I think can be taken from this conversation. So Big I'm time. glad we had it. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, please give us a follow on social media. We have our Twitter account, Cinematics Cast. We got our Instagram account, Cinematics Podcast, where we post updates about what we're doing and, and how we're doing and all that kind of stuff. Um, you can also follow me. Uh, I have a, a Twitter account, Dark Sales Films, Instagram account, Dark Sales Films. Uh, I got Dark Sales Films on LinkedIn. I'm also personally on LinkedIn as well. If you want to find out more about the stuff that uh, we are doing outside of just the podcast. Um, and yeah, again, just keep listening. Share it with your friends. Give us a like or a rating if you can on some of these things. We'd please, really please, appreciate please, it. Please, please, please. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.